Good morning, good morning. Nice to see you all here this morning. I'll let people kind of get settled in and then we'll get started. They're, in the, they're all in the back. Hey, good to see you people online that are watching with us. We're a smallish crowd here this morning. I'm guessing a good bunch of you are at home. And someone told me it's the uh, National um, Super Bowl Sunday holiday. So a lot of folks are staying in. It's about 11, 12 or so. I'm sure some of you have already started your mojitos or whatever else your brunches might offer. <laughs> so, um, so I'm glad you're watching, though. So uh, stay alert online. Okay, so we're good to, it's good to see you all here, though, this morning that are here. And um, we're going to have a fun morning this morning, as well as we're doing some things a little differently today. And you can do this at home, too. I invite you to, um, to uh, if you're gonna, if, as you're sitting down and watching, I, imagine, I invite you to go get up and maybe get a piece of bread, maybe get some water, maybe get some olive oil if you have it there. And you can join us a little later on uh, when we participate in our celebration of life. And, um, and, and you'll have something to do there as well online. But we're going to do it a little bit differently. As I was thinking about this last series, which we are now finishing up, and we're about to go into the week of Lent, um, which is a season of six weeks or six Sundays leading up to Easter, as, as most of you all know. So this morning I decided we're gonna, this will be a little more embodiment of those kinds of, of things that we've been talking about. Uh, I'll share a couple of stories and a couple of thoughts as we think about the transfiguration uh, some of you are familiar with that story of Jesus going up in the mountain. And, and so we'll have a little bit of a hands-on, a little participatory kind of, of way of doing things. So you'll notice the order's a little bit out of sync with our normal way of doing things. And uh, also, the way in which we're going to do our sharing of bread and oil is going to be a little differently as well. And I'll give you that instruction later. So it's a good Sunday to be here, but a good one to be online watching as well. So a um, couple of things just to make a quick note. For yourselves. If you look on the back, you'll see a little short-term study that's coming up. A lot of you have participated in this in the year past, and so um, it's called uh, it's the, called the, Pro uh, the Pro Future Faith: The Prodigal Species Comes Home, and it's sort of like the next series in the Living in the Questions series that I'll be doing for six weeks, and uh, it meets on Sunday morning or it meets on. Thursday morning. You have two options for meetings. The same class, but it will meet twice, so you have that option of meeting twice. All the information's there, but if you are interested, please do email Becky at, at the church, Becky Miller, and the email's there, and you can sign up. So make sure you do that. Um, there won't be an online option. There will not be one of those, but we uh, welcome you to come and join in. If you miss one day, you can come that next Sunday or the Thursday, or that sort of thing. So Lots of ways to participate in that. Um, I think there's some other things there that you can find out. Please look at that, and you can see different ways to get involved in the coming weeks, um, as well with all the different activities around the church. So this morning, we're looking at the transfiguration. We're going to participate with a different way of doing kind of our sharing of bread and oil, and so um, I'm, it's good to be here with you all and have you with us. We're going to start off with a wonderful song to get us in the spirit. Sky as the spring rain fell, 
technical help here. <laughs> that was an awesome song, wasn't it? Gets the blood going. Super Bowls and yes. Thank you. Thank you. So welcome all. You are with us and you online. Let's uh, say our welcome candle invocation. Come, come, whoever you are. Wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving, it doesn't matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come, even if you've broken your vows a thousand times, come yet again. Thank you, Sharon. Folks, it's time to stand and sing together, would you please? We're going to turn to our 1111 hymnal and sing a great one. 
The left side, y'all are looking a little less crowded than the right side, so I'm expecting y'all to sing a little bit harder. Can y'all do that? <laughs> All right, here we go. It's also time to bring your offering on up to the table. Chorus all together. Right here. Everybody's wondering what and where they all came from. Yeah. Everybody's worried about where they're gonna go when the wrong thing's done. Huh. Nobody knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Now the verse. Some say what you got. Some say you're gonna come back Some say you rest in the arms of the Savior In sinful ways you lack Some say that they're coming back In a garden but your carrots and little sweet peas I think I'll just let the mystery be Chorus Same to me. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Another verse. Y'all take a moment now and offer one another a sign of peace, please. And happy birthday, Debbie Cracky.
I'm ready. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get started with a reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling bright. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us set up three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud there came a voice, this is the anointed one, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So in just a moment, we're going to share the common table and celebration of life uh, together. But I want to give you some instructions. And I wanted to do it now instead of at the beginning because as someone came up and said, one of our ushers came and said, you know, they're not going to be listening to you. <laughs> and so, so before we even get started, I want that disclaimer in here. Listen to me, okay, because we're doing something a little differently so this morning, we're going to be passing the bread and passing the olive oil. And it's our way of sort of celebrating the essence of life, the bread of life, the essence of life. Um, we, we reframe and rethink how we understand Jesus in relationship to traditional theology we may have had or we may be in the midst of, of being curious about. And so because we come from many different walks, we find a common ground. Well, one of the common ground, of course, is our sustenance. Our sustenance of body, our sustenance of spirit and mind. And so we have this way of doing this. We've been doing this now for about 10 years or more. Now, instead of going to the back, though, I want us to do this in our seats. And we're going to experiment with this because it could get messy. And, I'm, and I want to be careful about that. I want you to be careful about that. So the ushers will come in just a moment, and they will hand bread to, a cup, to the first row and then someone to the middle row. Then I'm inviting you to pass it to the next person. Now, how do you draw bread out of here with your fingers? You look and you pick the first thing you touch and you keep it. <laughs> you don't put it back. You have my permission to look at someone and go, really? If they did that, all right? You just grab it and you keep it, right? Pass it to the next person. If you wish to say something lovely to the next person, I invite you to do that. If, in a way of, of sharing a blessing or a greeting to one another in a, in a new way. I invite you to do that. Um, if you, um, and, and then hold the bread. Okay, so two things. Take the piece you first touch and hold it. Do not eat it. This is where I was challenged by several of the ushers who said they won't be listening. <laughs> the oil will come and then you'll just put it to your lips. Okay, so don't do that. Hold the bread. Okay. So now the bread's going around. The last person who gets the bread at the end of the row can look back. There'll be about three rows 
for each group, three or four rows. So you can look back, take it to that next person. And if that next person says on the outside aisle, says I've already had bread, then you bring the bread back up here. Okay, that's you people on the end of the row. If the, if the row behind you has already had that bread, then you bring the, the bread back up here. Okay, same goes for the oil. I will be passed, the ushers will pass around these little bowls that are about a third full of oil. Handle them carefully. And then dip your bread in slightly, just touch it, and then put it to your mouth as you pass it to the next person. Now, here's the potential disaster. Yeah. Right? Um, you'll dip it in there, and some of it will fall off because you got it too heavy in the oil. That's okay. Don't dig for it. If you're watching at home, this is just a moment of comedy and reprieve. You can just kind of watch. Don't dig for it. Just eat what was it left in your hand, and the next person, the next bunch of people will get to enjoy a floating piece of bread, okay? Don't worry about it as long as you don't put it back, which also means that while you're handling the bread, because you're going to dip it in there, don't mash it around in your hands first, right? I, this seems obvious, doesn't it? Doesn't it? But you know you'll do that. You'll play, and I'm not putting this back in here, folks, but you'll play with it. You'll just look at it for a while, and that's fine, except don't do that. All right? It's fine if you're at your home, or if you're, but you're sharing with others. And this is the biggest challenge when we're sharing with others, no matter what we're doing in life. We have to pay attention with gentleness, awareness, kindness. Little, little, little tiny behaviors that make such a big difference, and we get to practice that. It's like the wax on, wax off kind of stuff. We get to practice that here with just a piece of bread and a bowl of oil. All right, so this will be passed around, and you'll dip it in there, and, you'll dip, and then you'll pass it to the next person. And the same goes then that they'll go to the row behind you. If they've had it, bring the bowls forward. In the back, if you have water, if you have bread stuck in your throat or in your mouth and you want to drink it down, there are pitchers and cups in the back for water. We didn't, we didn't want to push our luck and start passing pitchers and water. Okay, we just didn't want to do that. Now, here's the whole thing about this. This is a celebration. The band's going to be singing Shower the People. It's going to get kind of fun in a little bit. I invite you to see this as an opportunity to celebrate before we go into our time of Kairos. Kairos. This is our chance to celebrate together. So with that same spirit, then let's participate in this. We were, we were given life. We are life to one another. As Jesus was life to everyone he met, so we are invited to be life to everyone we meet. So as we celebrate this bread and this oil, then let us also celebrate one another. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward, let the band kick in, and we'll begin our celebration. And you all online, invite you just to do the same and just to sit and enjoy the bread and the oil that you have at home. You can play the game, you can act out the thought Though you know it was a written thing Tell me how do you stand with your broken heart Ashamed of playing the fool One thing can lead to another It doesn't take any sacrifice Mother, sister, and brother If it feels nice, then don't think twice Shower the people 
Thanks. Um, that went really well. That went really well. Um, and before we get into this Kairos moment, I have to, I, I didn't see anybody laughing. You, you, several of you were passing this bowl around and nobody read what was on the bowl. Jesus is coming and he's bringing the bean dip. I did this especially because it's Super Bowl Sunday. I also did it because, in reality, life is a mashup, isn't it? Isn't it a mashup? I mean, the way we've looked at this last, what is this time we are in? You know, all these crazy things happening with, with we're looking at Tracy Chapman singing with, with uh, um, Luke, Hol- Luke Combs, right? You know, the country, big country megastar singing with lesser known but just as amazing uh, uh, you know, Tracy Chapman singing this old hit from the 88. And then you're seeing everybody on TikTok and on Instagram and on, on, uh, on X, you know, tw- formerly Twitter. You're seeing everybody kind of talk about how they just discovered this moment. And Tracy Chapman, like, you, do you all know who she even is? Yeah. You know, I mean, so you, you see that happening, you know, and you're just like, where are we? What time are we? And then you have the Super Bowl happening, and what's the big drama is whether or not, you know, um, uh, 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 ta- Taylor, thank you, I'm getting them all. So whether or not Taylor Swift is going to be in the booth somewhere, but, but will, will Kelsey's mom be there? You know, cause, because uh, she was with Taylor Swift the last time, but that became such a big deal. And those booths are a million and eight dollars to be in those suites. A million point eight dollars to, um, to I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, one point eight million dollars to be in those suites. You know, so maybe she'll just be in the stands somewhere, right? I mean, this is serious, people. And then you've got the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Purdy. You've got him, Brock Purdy, who is making not even a million dollars salary. And you've got Mahomes making $52 million per year. You know, so, I mean, it's just a mashup. And then, of course, Lent, Jesus, you know, that. <laughs> and, and, and Valentine's Day. On the same day as you've got Ash Wednesday. So you get to go get your face ashed up and reminded that you're going to die and then go out with your loved one, <laughs> you know, and, and do that kind of thing. So it's a really weird time, and yet this is the time we're in. I re- I'm reminded as we come to this time of Kairos that every time we're in is a weird time, and it's easy to be overwhelmed, and it's also easy to take it all for granted. In both cases, I would say we're lost. When we take things for granted, we're missing everything. When we get lost or we feel overwhelmed, we're missing everything. We find ourselves more often lost than found in the moments we are in. And this is where we are with this giftedness of what we have in spite of how things may seem. And I was reminded of uh, of an interesting practice by one of my favorite people, uh, Padreo Kotuma, whose blessing I often use at the end of our service, wonderful Irish poet and a founder of Conelia, this community, Comelia, which is a community in Northern Ireland that is all about, has been about for years, the reconciliation and restorative practices between all of the different uh, warring and and disagreeable sides that are present in Ireland and in the Republic and in England. And so uh, he's he's, he's he's very familiar with this uncomfortable 
space we find ourselves in. So what he's gotten to a practice of as his form of prayer is to say hello to whatever's going on. Hello, crazy mashup of football and sacredness. Hello, mashup of Taylor Swift and, and, uh, and Kelsey and, and his mom and, and all of the wealth and the poverty and the money that people spend and gamble. Hello to all of that. Hello to this moment. Hello to bread. Hello to, the, to olive oil. So we have this moment where we can simply acknowledge where we are more consciously. So we're going to sing a song, and as the band then goes into instrumental, I'm going to invite you with me to just take some deep breaths. And I, I actually will invite you to close your eyes after we sing this first verse and then uh, guide you through some thoughts, through some images. It's in every one of us to be wise find your heart open up all your eyes we can all know everything without ever knowing why it's in every one of us by and by. So I invite you to just take a deep breath with your eyes closed. Take in a long inhale and maybe a longer, slower exhale. I invite you to do that two or three times just present to whatever you're hearing, the sounds, but trying to find that place where you can be completely relaxed where you are sitting and let the other sounds that come and go just simply come and go. as you keep breathing in slowly and exhaling slowly, I invite you to, in, to visualize who in your life has brought bread to you, who has been bread. We have so many images of bread at the table, bread that we might have smelled in bakeries, but who has been that bread for you? who has been life for you. And I just invite you to sit in your mind, smiling, thankfully, curiously as you see them. Try to see as much as you can about who they are and how they look. Perhaps there's more than one. Invite those others to come and join. There are many ways that we are bred to one another. And as you continue to see this person or these people in front of you, I invite you now to turn 
in your mind to move away from them slightly. They're waiting there. They're not going anywhere. But as you turn, try to see who it is you have been life to. Who have you brought life to? Maybe just this past week. Maybe in an ongoing way. Try to visualize one or two or three of these people and just let them stand there present with you. A smile brings bread, brings life. Participating in something that they've needed, helping out with a job around the place, an embrace, opening a door, how many ways we are bread to the world around us. Don't forget to keep breathing. you to stand in your imagination, in your mind, with those people on either side of you, those who have brought life, those to whom you have brought life, and then sing quietly with me. It's in every one of us to So I want to switch gears just a little bit with you as we're holding these ideas of people that we have both been fed by and that we both continue to feed as well. And uh, if, if you had trouble finding just who those people are, I invite you to, that you're making it too hard to think that you're maybe making it too hard because you and I bring more life to people around us than we probably realize. Um, it's easy to think about who's been generous or kind or compassionate or patient with us, but it's harder for us sometimes to realize that we do that for others all the time. So I want to think with you about this idea of being lost and yet finding that we are grounded in this bread of life as what our text is about, this wonderful story that you'll find in every gospel except for the gospel of John, which is a different kind of gospel. We, we understand that, a mystical gospel, some almost 75 to 100 years perhaps after Jesus, a long time after him. These other Gospels written much more closely and much more oriented to one another around the material they've shared. So you'll find the story of the transfiguration in all three of them, Mark, Matthew, Luke. A little different language, but mostly the same. 
So I wanted to think with you then about this idea of when we find ourselves in a strange place and we are overwhelmed. And I thought maybe it would be helpful to show this video um, before we, as, as a way of sort of orienting ourselves to what's happening. And, and I'll just set this video up, so don't start playing it just yet, but go ahead and cue it up if you can there, uh, Xavier. But Tim Brewster, many of you know Tim Brewster, our former senior pastor, and, and his wife Susan. Uh, Linda and I have a place, a cottage up in northern Michigan, and, and as you know, I went there for my vacation. This, I'll take a week off and went up there this last week or so, about two weeks ago. And they were up there, and so we decided to do something fun. One of the things we decided to do was to do a little... Um, uh, 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 inner tube sn- uh, or snow tubing, I guess you might say. You know, get on the inner tube and slide down the mountains. And so they had this wonderful tubing place that was there not too far from our town. And we went there, and there were five or six lanes lined up. And so Tim thought it would be a good idea is that if we were both going down on our inner tubes, I would videotape him. So we, I'd be watching him, and he could do the same with me. So we'd cue it up and see how that went. The, all right, Tim. Ah! Whoa! Whoa! Ah! Holy crap! So far, I'm doing great. I got him. I tried to put the brakes on. I couldn't do it. Yeah, he's already finished. <laughs> I just want to tell you, you can go ahead and stop that now. I just want to tell you, that's how I feel every Sunday morning. Okay, just so you know what's going on when I walk in here. Before, when I get out of bed, that's how I feel from the moment I get out of bed to the, to the moment I get home. And I'm going, what just happened? I'm, I'm not, I'm only slightly kidding. So I want to make a point up front very quickly, and this is that maybe the mystery and the messiness and the impossibility of holding on to any one way of being or doing is the whole point. Maybe the mystery and the messiness and the impossibility of clinging to the things that we want to cling to, to attaching to the things we think it has to be this way, maybe the fact that that is so hard to do is the whole point. And that once we get to a place of calm in that spinning, swirling, chaotic reality that we find ourselves in, there's actually something else more amazing going on right there. But the challenge, of course, is how do we find the calm in that storm or in that chaos or in that confusion or in that messiness? You know, that's the challenge. And once we find it, I think that we are open to something we never expected. But here's the thing. Once you start doing it on a regular basis, once you start practicing this, you start realizing, oh, there's moments of, of, of transcendence all over the place. There's moments of transfiguration happening all over the place. I don't think we do this very well, which is why I think we constantly have these mythic tales that portray this kind of reality, but... It's more like we're telling the story about it rather than experiencing it. So you, you've seen the threesome in almost all of our mythic tales. You'll see the magical three everywhere. So here you had Jesus with Moses and Elijah. And that's important because Moses is the, pro, is the, uh, is the law, the Old Testament, the Hebrew law, and Elijah is the prophets. So you got both, you know, you got it all lined up. It's perfect. And then you got Peter and James and John, the important guys, you know, and so you got everything there. 
And you've made a perfect image. You've made a perfect picture. This is what it's supposed to look like. Except it doesn't look like that. Because it's a whole lot messier. Just go read the Old Testament. It gets ugly. <laughs> and it gets messy. And the New Testament isn't a whole lot better in terms of the new communities that are coming together and not getting along with each other. You got this perfect matchup. And then you got the same thing with uh, Star Wars. Right? Let's come, tw- let's come 2,000 years ahead and look at the same myth. You got Luke Skywalker, and, who, and then you remember the last of the, of, the, of the original three, the last of the original three trilogy, and, you, and Luke is looking up there, and he sees up in the sky, he sees Anakin Skywalker, his dad, no longer Darth Vader, transformed into the good guy that he always was, the force was with him, and then you see Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then you see Yoda in the middle of him, right? And you see this trilogy, but you go to North mythology and you see Odin and Loki and, uh, and Thor, and you got the same kind of... You always see these trilogies like that's, that's how these things work, and it's the perfect image. But what you don't see is what makes it perfect is its messiness. That's what makes it perfect. Anakin was the evil guy, right? Yoda was this wisdom that you could never make sense out of. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi was like the, the, the elder, sort of the mentor. But you had this messiness in the whole thing. The same is true with mythology. You have this messiness. You have Odin, who's, who's kind of like the big father god. And then you have Thor, who's sort of like the enforcer. And then you have Loki, whose whole purpose is just to keep it messed up. And he's just kind of keeping things messed up and, and mixed up. The thing we forget about is, and then we, uh, we, we have the trilogy in the Christian denomination, in our Christian faith, we have the trilogy, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we think it's the perfect matchup. But the minute you do that, that's what you're doing when, when Peter looks up at Jesus, or I think it's Peter that says that, I'll have to go back and look now which one said that, but it's Peter that says, Lord, shouldn't we make three tents here? Shouldn't we like concretize this, you know, uh, put it in concrete and make it permanent? There's a church up there, by the way, now on the top of Mount Tabor called the, the Church of Transfiguration because they did just that. You know, 1,200 years later, they built a church so that they could memor- memorialize and keep it right there. This is where the magic happened. But it's not there anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's everywhere. That was the whole point. Jesus says, you know, basically, don't do that. And then when they're going down the mountain, Jesus says, don't tell anybody. That's the second point I want to make. Do more listening and less talking. When you're responding to people who are intensifying, you know, they're irritating, they're intensifying, they're, they're kind of creating this tension, that's a great time to sit back and go, I wonder what kind of mess is going on here. I wonder what the bigger picture is saying with all this Taylor Swift stuff and this Kelsey stuff and all this messiness about what's going on. What's the bigger picture? How ironic that it's the billionaires that are profiting off of a lot of this stuff. Right? I mean, how, how beautiful is this story, even though, you know, billionaires are kind of the ones that are pushing it, or what, I mean, you know, billion-dollar corporations. I'm, you know, and I'm, I don't want to besmirch, besmirch uh, stuff that we love. We love Amazon. We love uh, Microsoft, or maybe not as much, but we, we, love, we love all these things, right? We love our conveniences. We love our stuff. But the bigger picture is sometimes our stuff is what gets us into trouble. And when we look at the minutia of the stories and we get caught up and we want to attach to it, you know, we defend our position, we miss the bigger picture. 
Maybe we should just be quiet. Maybe we should listen. So the, I want to suggest, I want to read this thing to you. Well, let me give you one other picture real quick. Because I want to talk about this idea of what was really happening on the transfiguration is that Jesus was inviting everyone to get lost. Not to simply memorialize, concretize, and fix an idea. Now, the writers were, the writers were for sure, the writers were trying to justify this is in fact the Messiah because there's your prophets and there's your law and there's Jesus in the middle. That must mean he's the Messiah. So they're telling the story already in a way that's fixed, the way Christians have been doing it for 1,500, 1,800 years since Jesus, telling a fixed tale until we start to sort of question it because that story stops making as much sense because there's something else going on here that's more dynamic. And so Jesus is really maybe saying something completely different than, you know I'm special, you know I'm the one that's been chosen as the Messiah to come and do exactly as you think I should be doing, and here's the proof. Maybe he's saying something else. What is this idea of transfiguration? So I wanted to give this next image. Can, I, can you show that up there? I think the, the one with um, the uh, Kansas. Oh, oh do, the, do the, the one with the string, the ball of string. Yeah. So several years back, several years back, I was in Kansas going to, from, from uh, Kansas City out west to the Kansas State Festival to perform. It was some years back. And, and it was a small little town. I wasn't familiar with the town. And they gave me directions, but like a good uh, navigator that I am, I got off course and was wandering around and just decided I'll just keep wandering until I find somebody who can tell me how I'm supposed to get to Salinas. And it seems obvious enough, but I had gone north instead of west. So it's not that obvious, because if you go the wrong direction to begin with, you got to figure out where you are, right? So I'm driving out there somewhere, and I end up in this little bitty town that boasts with a big sign, largest ball of twine in the world. And I think, well, I guess that's where God wants me to be, <laughs> right? No, I'm guessing that's what I should go see. So I went and I saw that, and it's so much fun, because what they have is they have this... It started back in, I believe, 1947, 1951. Uh, this fellow that was local decided to start a ball of twine. It wasn't there, it was elsewhere, but they eventually moved it there and decided this would be a way that people could come to our tiny town of 123 people, and they could participate in making the largest ball of twine larger. So they offer you this little spool of twine... And then you'll see people from time to time just walking around it. And I thought as I was watching that, what a beautiful idea. Just invite people into your strangeness and to participate in their own way to kind of contribute to that. Well, other people picked up on it, and you'll see over in, in Illinois now there's a place that has the largest, 10 of the largest things in the world, the largest rocking chair, the largest mailbox, the largest needle. The mailbox is 40 feet tall. The rocking chair is 85 feet tall. I mean, it's like interesting. How else do you get somebody to come to your town? But I really thought this was fine. It still didn't get me where I was going. I still didn't know where Salinas was. And then someone said, well, you just get on this road and you head down south and then you'll find it. So I got on the road and I, I headed down south and I came to this next place. You put up that next sign. There you go. Who knew that somewhere in Kansas is the center of the United States? There it is, the center of the United States, the contiguous states right there. And then they've got a little sign underneath it that says, Lebanon has souvenirs. <laughs> it's about four miles just to the west of that right there. So, so I stood there for the longest time just watching cars go by, and I thought, again, here I am in the middle of nowhere, and yet it's the center of the whole United States. 
I just, I didn't know what to do with it. I was trying to make something out of it, and then I finally ended up in Salinas, and I was there with the festival, and I got to meet all the people, and it got started. The festival would start that night, and I went to the grocery store, and as I was picking up some things, I heard somebody say, Tom, Mc, Tom McDermott? And it wasn't any of the planners. Nobody really should know me in Salinas. I shouldn't even be that known as a performer, for that matter. But there I was in the middle of this thing, and someone said, Tom McDermott. And I looked over, and it was one of the kids, now a young adult, that I used to work with in one of the medical camps in Phoenix, Arizona, <laughs> who was now living in tiny Salinas, Kansas. And we got to talking, and, and, and she said, how is it that, why are you here? Because she didn't know about the festival. And I said, well, I know why I'm here, but why are you here? She said, well, I know why I'm here, because I was supposed to be on my way to Denver, and I got stuck here, and I ended up visiting with some people, and I liked them enough that I stayed. <laughs> and so that's where she was living her life, and I'm, I'm assuming that's where she is to this day. There's a wonderful poem written by a guy named David Wagner. I want to share it with you. I think it's somewhat of what's going on in our story and what goes on in our life every day. It's entitled Lost. I invite you to go find it later because it's a beautiful, profound poem. Stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here, and you must treat it as a powerful stranger. You must ask permission to know and to be known. The forest breathes, so listen. It answers. I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying, here. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. What a profound idea to practice wherever we find ourselves, in the midst of an argument, in the midst of a challenge, in the midst of a difficult time in our lives, in the midst of a foreign area that you've never been to before, in the midst of this crazy, messy strangeness, or just going to the store, or being on the highway, or facing an illness. We are always in the midst of this place where, we, where some people would say it's a potential thin space, a place where we might experience the sacred. But others would say, stand still. It starts cropping up. It starts showing up everywhere. The other day, I was driving home, coming down through university, and I remember someone telling me to sort of let go of expectations but pay attention, to practice this ability to let go of attachments. We have this desire to always cling to how we see things familiar but challenge myself to try to see things a little differently, change perspectives. Instead of fighting and arguing and defending, simply listening and waiting until something else shows up. So I'm driving home and I'm riding down University Boulevard and I'm thinking about all of the traffic. And I start playing this song and it's just an instrumental. And it's kind of looping as I'm watching all this traffic. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking about how I'm reacting to this traffic my anxiety, my need to get somewhere, the frustration of how people are acting, jealousy about a nice car I saw go by, <laughs> any number of things, right? All these stories rolling around in my head. And I look over to the right, 
And for an instant, it looked completely unfamiliar to me. I'd been up and down that road dozens of times, hundreds of times. And so I decided to pretend I was somebody else. And I'm in a new town, like Salinas, Kansas. And as I was driving along listening to the music, I suddenly re realized I didn't know this town at all that I've lived in for the last 55 years. Everything began to look strange and welcoming, inviting and curious. I got home and I told Linda, <laughs> I said, honey, I just came back from the university area and I was completely lost. And it was amazing. And I'm, I'm just rattling off about all of this. And she looked at me. She said, well, that's good. That's interesting. And I said, no, no, no. You can experience it too. <laughs> and so I played the song for her. And she was like looking at me going like, okay. And of course she couldn't experience it. It wasn't for her. It was for me. We find ourselves in these moments where we've we think we're in touch with something so amazing, and then we just feel like we got to hold on to it and share it. And that's the other lesson here, my friends. It's all about learning to be present to moments and letting the moments go. What keeps the moments coming is the recognition that it's always inviting us to pay attention. And when we start doing that, we discover what the next best thing to do is, where the next best thought to be is. We find ourselves in this wonderful, possible place. By the way, transfiguration doesn't mean Jesus turns into a light. It literally means shedding so you can get to the essence. It, the root word was how do you, it was, a, was that practice of peeling off the hull of the grain so you can get to the actual grain inside the shell. When Rumi said, stop looking for love, but look for the ways you put up barriers to it, and you'll find it. Amen. <laughs> As the sun rose up over the sea, everyone was singing in the monarchy. Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, and priests gathered around for the jubilee. Two old ladies still waiting on the sign, growing better with age, like a yellow tail vine. Shouting at the junkies in the cold street light, the next right thing, or the next thing right. Hear me sing Oh, people need a miracle yeah. To the next right thing Then hearing voices in the choir preachers Hey, diddle, diddle, now the fiddle screeches Moaning up the stairs and rolling in bed She been talking to God since 2 a.m. Saying, I don't want to go
Okay, let's stand. Uh, I know you all saw, probably saw Lynn Deloney in the back, and I, just, it's, I didn't want to make a deal out of it, but it's great to see Lynn. I mean, it's amazing to see Lynn, actually, and it's great to see Becca as well, so um, nice to have them here with us today. Also, also uh, this, this week, we have Ash Wednesday service starting on, on Wednesday. Uh, check the... Your web, check the church webpage to get the time of when that's happening. Hope you, hope you can participate in that before you do your Valentine's things. And then I uh, hope you can join in with the study on next Sunday as that begins. And then as Lent begins, we'll see you for that journey that we take together. So here we, uh, we end with uh, Padre Otuma's uh, blessing, benediction. Our task is at an end just for this moment. So we go in pieces. We go in pieces because as things are upended, Something new is always being mended. And as things unravel, we find that when we stand still, we are traveling with one another. We are not alone. We are in the midst of life. And so we go in pieces to share, to experience the world anew, and to tell one another about it. Go in pieces.